John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You're in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. It's my joy to welcome you to join us again for the gospel coming to you from Calvary Baptist Church. How has your week been? You know, the good Lord is making it possible for us to live every day. And every opportunity we have to hear his word and to obey it and to learn what God has for us. It's a great day. Because you can only hear his word when you are alive. When you are gone and you are in the grave, you cannot hear it. There are people who are in war-torn situations, they cannot hear the word of God and obey it. They have no... I mean, unless it is hidden in your heart. And that is why you must hide it in your heart. And if you are a student of the Bible, please make some notes that you can remember. Thank you for joining us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you. We honor you because of who you are. That you've given to us the Bible, the rich words from ancient times that guide us even till tomorrow. Your word is more fresh than tomorrow's newspaper. There's nothing hidden from you. And that is why you reveal to us things that are about to happen. Because they've happened before. Lord, as we go through the teaching today, speak through me, speak to your people. That will hear, obey, and be guided by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, if we're able to join us, we started looking at the book of Ruth. A very, very small book. And I continue to encourage you, if you have not sat down in one reading, to read it, read it. It's a very small book, four chapters, very beautiful story with a good ending. You know, when we're growing old, the only stories that you read, that's it, and they live happily hereafter. The fairy tales. But in the book of Ruth, you find an ending like that. Because that woman, Ruth, was a good woman. And she made a decision to follow a good God. And God, in his wisdom, gave her a good package. You see, it's reading the book of Ruth that we see the kind of things that God likes, the faith that God honors, and the results that come from honoring God, even when we have blown it. Just for the sake of you and I, let me just read for you Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Ruth 1, 1 and 2 says, There was a time when judges ruled Israel. There was not enough food for the people to eat. A man called Elimelech lived in Bethlehem in Judah. Elimelech had a wife and two sons. Elimelech's wife was called Naomi, and his sons were called Malon and Kilion. They were Ephratites. Because there was not enough food, Elimelech and his family left Bethlehem and went to live in Moab. Very simple, factual story. And we learned last And the choices we make have consequences. What was the choice? They made a choice when they were hungry that they were going to look for food. And I guarantee that it was the man who made the choice, eliminate. Or if he didn't even make the choice, he, he, the wife may have said, 
honey, we better do something as women would normally do. Look, when I go to the market, the prices are just jumping and jumping. I can't make sense out of it. Can we get out of here? Well, whatever was happening in the home, the man decided enough is enough. I can't feed these boys. These are hungry boys. These boys, they want to eat. Let's get out of here. Let's go where we can make a living. And they made the live and they made it out of Canaan, the promised land, Bethlehem, literally, and went to Moab. Bethlehem. We'll find more about Bethlehem later. And they went to Moab to live there. So one man with his wife and two children made it to the land of Moab. They lived there for 10 years. And what happened? When we read, and today we come to the part that I title To Go or Not To Go. When we come to the story, as we saw last week, and if you are already reading with me, you see that they went to this land and they stayed there for 10 years. Prompted by famine. And probably because they didn't think that God would do anything about it. You see, the Bible had told us earlier that in the land that they lived in, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. So the man got up, he did what was right in his own eyes. They had leaders, but they were not giving them leadership. And you know, when you live in a country, you live in a family, you live in a church, you are a part of a member of a group, and nobody is giving leadership, everybody feels they can do whatever they want to do. They have no guidance. Situations can push people when there's no clear guidance to make wrong decisions. We're in a similar situation in our country. The countries have been pushed to the zones of war because some people have made bad decisions. We face hunger and famine, and anybody who is responsible decides, well, let me do something about it. You will literally take the law into your own hands, take your life into your own hands, and make some decisions. So they went there. And what do we see happening over there? Well, they went. And all of a sudden, the man, his voice, found women to marry. Moabitized women, two women. And they were happy. We are not told that they had children. Obviously, they didn't have any children. The man died. And soon after that, the two boys also died. So we are left with three women. The men in their lives were gone. What were they supposed to do? Hey, I tell you. You think about troubles that we have in this world. This woman will be left broken hearted. They are not only far away from home. But perhaps they have been far away from God. If it is lack of belief in what God can do. That took them to the land of Moab in the first place. I guarantee this one would only take them away further, away from God. There are times when you can get so confused by the circumstances in life that you don't know whether you should pray, or sing, or laugh, or just stare in the sky. I believe this woman was in such situation. And we will come to that point. What about these daughters-in-law? In the Eastern societies, what were these young girls supposed to do? Even in our own situation in Ghana, 
young girls made of made their widows were they wearing black what were they supposed to do you see three women in public wearing black what are they <laughs> if you know the Ghanaian story you have things to say about them what did they do this brings me to a series of Bible studies I did a long time ago in the 80s in Ghana we faced very very difficult circumstances that was just when some of us were starting ministry and I was surprised about the exodus of Ghanaians to Nigeria and other parts of the world and that time the Lord led me to a passage to this particular passage and some other scriptures and I preached a sermon that was patronized by people some still remember it and say Pastor Fred why don't you preach that sermon again all those who had notes they still refer to it and say oh that sermon helped us and I said that sermon didn't help you God's word taught you something and you put it into practice and the title was to go or not to go and I was looking at the whole episode of immigration how things happen to us and how we decide what to do about it I may be arguing from silence but what was obvious from this passage was that we are not told at any point in time whether there was any communication between Elimelech between him and the wife or their God what they should do all that we are told is that they walked away and went to look for food now to go or not to go the amazing thing about them wandering and going is that when they went where they went to Elimelech the father died Malon and Kilion died they were Ephratites special people in the sight of God so they were supposed to follow God's laws the prince of peace was to come from that line but they moved what is it that caused them to move? They were moved by famine. Now the book of Ruth is read even up to today by the Israelites. And the rabbis teach us clearly that this people moved indicating a lack of faith in God who made provision for his children even in the times of their difficulty. That this people did not show anything about love for God, it just moved. I said, I taught this, or the Lord led me to these scriptures, when in the 80s, we had a similar situation in Ghana. There was hunger, there was famine, there was bushfire. Ghanaians were thrown out of Nigeria. That's when the bugs that were called uh, <laughs> Ghana must go, became popular. All they could come back with was bags like that for all their property. Many years of investment in Nigeria, they only came back with those bags. Why? They were in a hurry to go. Of course, Ghanaians had also chased away Nigerians to go back home. What were people supposed to do in those days? Even Christians went away because it was a time of survival. And the Lord helped us to see clearly what His will for us to do. So we turn to the Bible and we find that a similar situation had always existed. 
It's as if history repeats itself and that there's nothing new under the sun. In Genesis chapter 12, we read a very interesting account. Not interesting in the sense that it's a story that you would like. You see, when you are reading something that concerns somebody, you can say it is interesting. But when it is happening to you, you cannot say it is interesting. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, we read, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. What do you make out of this? Abraham, the father of our faith, he was living somewhere in his own country. There of the Chaldeans and the God who called him, or he said God had called him, leave and go to Canaan. Go to the land that I will show you. And Abraham decided to follow God and went to this place. And when he got there, there was famine in the land of Canaan, where God had sent him. Oh boy, oh boy. When you read that story, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 10, it's a story that is full of lessons. What did Abraham do? Let me read it to you from 1 to 10. Because you see the kind of things that happened there. It's, it's just so sad to see that there's nothing really new under the sun. So Abraham went there. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 20, from verse 10 to 20, let's read what the word of God tells us over there. Genesis 12, 10 to 20. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you. And I'll make you famous and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the land, all the families of the world will be blessed by you. Abraham was 75 years old when he left his home. Now let's jump now to verse 10. At that time, there was a severe famine that struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. So God has said, follow me. He followed God and came there. There was severe famine in the land, his new adopted home, the land that God had showed him. What is happening? As he was approaching the border of Egypt. Well, Abraham had made up his mind. Let me go to Egypt. Because he had heard that that's where food is. And Egypt had always been a food basket for the world because of the Nile. The Nile was flowing there. And any time the, the Nile overflowed its banks, you have fertile soil, people will plant and harvest a lot of food over there. The Nile had always been known as a basket area, I mean, food basket area. So he said, I'll go there. Now go there with my wife. Now look at what happens. When there's trouble and we do not wait for God to instruct us, when we make up our own minds what we want to do, or when we face temptation, we face trials, we face difficulties, we do not face it alone. Sometimes there are other things that we do not see. So let us go down. Egypt. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, look, you are a very beautiful woman. 
When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Kill him. And then we can have her. So please tell them, you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in me. This is what Abraham is telling his wife. The woman who was supposed to be the wife and the one to bear his children, the children of promise. Let's go on. Verse 14. And sure enough, when Abraham arrived in Egypt, everyone spoke of Sarah's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Can this be self-fulfilling prophecy? The word of your mouth, what you said about your wife. Could it be that when the woman looked so beautiful, they even had a way of making her look even more beautiful? I mean, after all, there were women in the land of Egypt. Beauty is in the eye of the, of the beholder. So what is it? That made Sarah look more beautiful than any woman. Maybe they spiced her up, spruced her up to look her, make her look beautiful. All right, verse 16. Then Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts because of her. Sheep, goat, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. So because of Sarah, wealth came to his house. Animals. Camels, servants. He got all as dowry because the woman was lasting. The man was lasting after the, the sister who was the wife. Friend, lies. Even our father Abraham, because he was in a very slippery place because of hunger. What type of hunger is this? What type of choice is it? Look at verse 17. But the Lord, oh, can you say that after me? But the Lord, but the Lord. Sometimes we get ourselves into a very tight corner that if the Lord doesn't help us, we can't even help ourselves. My listening friend, you may be in a tight corner like that. You may be thinking about something that you want to do. You may be thinking about compromising or you have compromised already. You've done something already like Abraham, told a lie and find yourself in a pit in the corner. And you don't even know how to tell the truth to get out of it. May the things that follow but the Lord be your portion. That the Lord will take you out of that. So your destiny will not be cut short. So that the life will not continue. So that your slavery will not continue. But let me read the verse. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, yes, your wife, take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of the men to escort them and he sent Abraham out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. Incredible. Incredible story of God's grace and God's favor and how God is able to take us out of trouble. That's what God did for him that day. And that's what God does for us and should do for you when you put yourself into serious trouble. God's favor 
I'm trying to point this to you. That, you see, Abraham went out of the promised land to Egypt to look for food. And he got into trouble. God took him out of it. We just read that what? Elimelech went out to Moab to get food. He got himself into trouble. But in his case, he died. His children died. Were left with the women. Friend, do you know what your story is? You may know of others who have made similar decisions and they got themselves into trouble. But let's go to Genesis chapter 26. From verse 1 to 11, you reach something very, very similar. Genesis chapter 26. You find a similar situation also. You find a case where Abraham's child, Isaac, the beloved Isaac, also got himself into trouble. Chapter 26. A severe famine now struck the land, as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerah, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. So Abraham was in trouble, moved to Egypt. His son Isaac is in trouble. He needs food. He moved to Gerah, where Abimelech, king of Philistines, lived. Now look. Then the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land. And I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants, just as solemnly as I promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I'll give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'll do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in the land. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, She is my sister. He was afraid to say, she's my wife. He thought, they will kill me to get her because she's so beautiful. Verse 8. But sometime later, Abimelech, the king of the Philistine, looked out of his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. Immediately, Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, she's obviously your wife. Why did you say she's my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me and take her from me and give her to you, Isaac, with life. How could you do this to me? Abimelech exclaimed. One of my people may easily have taken your wife and slept with her. And what happened? And that would have been a great sin. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation. Anyone who touches this man and his wife will be put to death. What is the Bible teaching us here? The father told a lie. The son is telling a lie. Their wife have become their sisters. And only God took them out of the mess they were in. My beloved friend, sometimes the circumstances in this life can cost you 
be in deep trouble. And you will not be the first, you will not be the last. When we move away from God, when we look at self, look at Isaac, even God had assured him, I'll be with you, I'll provide for you. So why this, why this trouble? Fear. False evidence appearing real. Fear became so real that he took the things into his own hands. Well, we can go on and on and on, but we read something else. Well, God delivered him. God helped him. And that is God's business. He's out there to help us. Sometimes even against our own, our own foolishness. Because particularly if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are in a covenant relationship with the Lord. And he has promised that he will take us through the end. Whether there's hunger, there's famine, he will take us through. Remember, have you read Romans 8.28? If you come to Romans 8 towards the end of it, we are more than conquerors. So what can separate us from the love of God? Who hunger, who famine, who death, who sword, whatever. Say so no, in all of this, we are more than conquerors. Beloved, the Lord is for us more than you and I can even understand. Okay, in our unbelief, He's still for us. That's what the psalmist can say. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and the staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Look at these people. In the presence of their enemies, they backed up. They were telling lies when it wasn't called for. To go or not to go. Friends, a difficult situation to be in. But you've seen how some have gone and broken every barrier, broken every ethic, giving away their own children, their own family, their own future, their own promises of God, giving on a silver platter to the devil. Selling their birthright. Is that your story? Is that what they're thinking about? Some, because of hardship, have gone to bribery and corruption and lying. Some have gone into Galamsee doing the wrong things, bringing curses on them. Some have gone and cheated people. Anytime they want to pray, they can't even pray. All that they do is to sigh. Mm, mm, mm. And the Bible says those type of mm, mm, groaning are deep, deep, deep prayers that go to the throne of God. They have a position of power and authority. They are almost there getting to retirement. So you must cut every corner. But if I go back and read that Isaac's story, chapter 26, verse 21, verse 22, Isaac faced a lot of difficulties. They kept digging wells and wells and wells and wells. But after that, Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. Then Isaac's men, namely Setna, mean hostility. Abandoning that one. Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So, Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him at night on his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham. He said, do not be afraid. I am with you and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and you will become a great nation. I will do because I promised the father Abraham. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp in that place and his servants dug another world. You see, God guiding these pioneers, showing them 
what is able to bless you. To go or not to go. I can tell you to go or not to go. In this case, God told him clearly, don't go. You stay in this land and I'll bless you. But through the effort, through the labor of his hand, through the digging of the world, in spite of opposition, God blessed him. He named the place Rehoboth. But that was not all. He opened more doors for him. His father was redeemed. When their grandchildren, Malon, Kilion, and their father went, what happened? They didn't come back well. They died over there. To go or not to go. I cannot tell you what to do. But if you are a child of God, the part of the conversation that is missing is, did they hear God saying, go? Have they asked God? Is God part of this blessing? So as I end today's word, what I'm leaving with you is simple. It's simple, but profound. If God is not in it, you may go to Moab looking for bread. They went out looking for bread. Instead, they found graves. Are you looking for bread? Or you are finding a grave? Everlasting life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Through thick and thin, he will be with you. Follow him and not grace. Lord, bless us. Lord, open our minds to receive your word for ourselves and our families and loved ones. And we will walk thereby. In Jesus' name. Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Degbe. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyle Filling Station. Our Amasamine campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.